Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, Hamelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor and Rabbi, Billy Elias. We're going to start with an opening, uh, not a prayer, but we're going to start with an opening psalm, in which we're going to go to Psalm 5115. If you're looking on the notes, I forgot the one. I can read and write in Hebrew, but I can't remember to put the right verse down. So you're going to have to forgive me for that. Okay? So is it up there yet? No? Okay, well, we're just going to go ahead with it. My Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praise. We're going to be speaking this morning about prayer. Okay? Now, everybody in here knows what prayer is, and you're 100% right, but you're also going to end up being 100% wrong, okay? So when we look at prayer, and obviously we are called to prayer, there's a few things that we have to know about prayer. Number one, and you could Google this to your heart's content, nowhere in the Bible at all, from Genesis 1 all the way through to maps, Okay? Nobody got that one either. Jeez, oh man. You know maps in the back? Got, thank you. Somebody? Yeah, the back. Yeah, the maps, you know? Okay, never mind. So anyway, from Genesis 1 all the way through, there is no command for you to pray. It is a suggestion. That's it. We've never been commanded to pray because God is not going to command us to speak to him. It's got to be a choice. So that's the first thing that we have to understand, that prayer is a choice. Um, and we're going to introduce you today to a lot of different words, um, especially there's a word, and you know, I'm constantly asked by people about um, why do the Jews pray the way they do? Why do they pray three times a day? And what is that all about? And we're going to get into that, but the big thing that I want for everybody to, number two, let's just go this. Number one, we're not commanded to pray anywhere in the scripture, old or new. It doesn't appear. Paul strongly suggests it. We are urged to. When Jesus was asked, he said, when you pray, pray like this, but there is nowhere where it says we are to pray. That's number one. Number two, how many of you know the Lord's Prayer? Just about everybody, right? You know how to recite it? Okay. Now, this is a rhetorical question. Do not raise your hand. <laughs> I'm not making fun of anybody from the pulpit anymore. It gets me in trouble. Okay? So, um, how many people, rhetorical, think that the Lord's Prayer is actually a prayer? Because it isn't. It's not. Okay, it is a prayer model, and it's a little bit more than a prayer model. It's a prayer suggestion. Now, we have this thing in 1609 called the um, Council of, and of course, now I just blanked. It ran right out of my brain. It'll come back later. But in 1609, King James um, brought members of the Catholic Church, the Church of England, and the Puritans together. And they went into a council. That's all right, Benjamin. Let her have it. My man. 
So they basically took all of the complaints and they had a peace treaty, we'll say. So things were added, things were subtracted, depending on what uh, your Catholic, the Church of England, or the Puritans. And in that translation and in that conference, things were changed. Translations as of late have gone to great lengths to put the proper verbiage in. So when the disciples asked Jesus after the, the Mount of Beatitudes, and he comes down and he, and, and he goes, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this, you've heard it. So he talks about what it means to be a believer in God himself. They say, well, then how do we pray? And he says, pray like this. That word like is critical because it was removed in the, new, in the King James Version. It was just pray this. That's not a prayer. So that is something else that we have to understand. Now, the Hebrew word for prayer is tefillah. Tefillah is a noun. It is not a verb, meaning that prayer is a subject. There are multiple ways to pray. So, uh, supplication, intercession, you know, your personal private prayer room or prayer tent is what it should be because it is nothing more than someone going underneath their talit. So when you see the where it says go into your prayer closet, if you translate it properly, it says go into your prayer tent. Okay? So, and that is your prayer shawl. So there are different types of prayer, and when you go into the action of doing that, then it becomes a verb. But prayer is a noun. And there's a few things that are, are, are extremely critical, and this is where we get it wrong. Okay, so when we look at the Hebrew word tefillah, it has a root just like every Hebrew word. And that root is, is monumentally important for understanding everything. And the root is palal. Palal in Hebrew means to execute judgment by way of cutting. It means to think. Execute judgment by way of of cutting. So when we go into prayer, we are executing judgment. What does that mean? Well, the execution of judgment when we go into prayer is we're actually judging ourselves, not in a condemning way. When we go into prayer, we are bringing everything that we are, everything, you know, who we are, how we act, the things that we need deliverance from, all of that stuff is being brought before the Father in prayer. It is an honest-to-goodness execution of what is inside your heart. You are bringing him your sin for judgment. Just like the Israelites would bring the sacrifice to the temple, or I'm sorry, I don't like using the temple because it's not... To, to, to the, the Mishkan hell or the Tent of Meeting. People know it as the tabernacle in the wilderness. And they would take that and they would bake the sacrifice. The priests would split it open on the horns of the altar and then they'd throw it in and let it burn. It's the same concept. That's what you're doing. So when you come in prayer, understand what you're doing. The mindset when you enter into prayer is everything. Number two, you have to come with the knowledge 
of God's word. This is where the departure begins. There are so many leaders, ministry, lay ministry, whatever the case is, that like to pray and pray and pray and pray, but do not know the word of God. So when they hear something, they don't have the knowledge to be able to test the spirit like we're told in 1 John. How many of you know that almost seven times in throughout Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation 22, the end, I don't even remember the end verse anymore, I always say the maps. Um, it says, in the mouths of two or three, a matter is established. In the mouths of two or three, a matter is established. The importance of understanding what you hear in prayer is critical. But you can't understand what you're hearing in prayer if you don't have a firm foundation on the word of God. So when people will endorse or go ahead and say abortion is okay. Or homosexuality is okay. Or anti-family values are okay. Or people who want to get sex changes and all that stuff is okay. Then something is disconnected in your prayer life. You're not hearing from God because certainly the word of God tells us all of those things are wicked and evil and bring judgment upon a people. But yet we pray. So we have to judge God's word. And when I say part of the reasons that we come into prayer is we judge God's word. It doesn't, again, mean in a, in a negative way. It means in a positive way. When you enter into prayer and you pray a scripture, what you're saying to God is, I believe this scripture, what I am praying right now, and I'm going to base all the prayers after that on that scripture. Lord, you said, save us and we will be saved. Heal us and we will be healed. Well, I need healing. And I'm asking you, you have to base it on a foundational truth. So this is the thing, when people hear things in prayer, and it's like the trump card. Well, God told me. What are you supposed to do with that? Right? If God told you, I, I always say, what God? Because in the mouths of two or three, it matters established. And the first thing we have to understand, if it doesn't line up with the old covenant, well, I hate using old. Because when we say Old Testament, that means that we're saying that it's no good anymore. So we're gonna, I'm just going to call it what it is, the Tanakh or the Holy Writ. So if it doesn't line up first in the Holy Writ, and secondly, in the New Testament, then it's not going to line up in your prayer life. It's just that simple. Okay? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Whenever it gets up there. Oh, wait, 412. Sorry. My bad. I have it written down in my notes. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And what is it doing? Cutting. As far as the division of soul and spirit. Of both joint and marrow. And able to judge the thought and intention of the heart. So many people are so quick to say, I believe in the living word. I believe in, in the Torah Chaim, as we would say. The word is alive and living, and we'll proclaim that. What you don't understand is this is the foundation and the mindset of what your prayer life should be. 
Because the Hebrew word palal means to judge. And it means to cut. So what do we have here? The two-edged sword does what? It cuts. And it's able to do what? To judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And this is a tough thing to hear because we're never taught prayer. We're taught how to, what to pray, but we're not taught what it is. And it becomes very complicated. And so what we have to understand is before we can say Abba or Father, we need to have an understanding of what we're about to pray. People don't like to hear it. People get upset. And again, I'm sorry. Well, if I offend you, it's not the point, but I'm not going to apologize. Because this is, after all, the word of God. And it's something that we have completely abandoned. So when we come to this thing called, well, they call it the Lord's Prayer. Uh, some scholars will call it the Disciples' Prayer. Um, what we have to understand is, it is based on this thing called the Amidah. Now in Hebrew, the Amidah means standing prayers. You've seen the Jews do it, right? They have their prayer book and they pray three times a day and they do this, right? So in the Yiddish, davening means prayer, but that's what they're doing. And they do it three times a day, okay? And they always face Israel no matter where they are. And in the morning, the prayers are a little different and they would wear their prayer shawl, okay? So understand when we talk about this, that this thing called the Amidah is made up of, today it's 19 prayers, but originally at the time of Jesus it was 18, so that's where we're going to keep it. And it's called the Shimone Ezra, which means 18 prayers. Okay? So, when we talk about the Amidah, it's broken down into three sections. Okay? We have the first section, what is the blessing of praise, or the Brachot Veshevet. Good. We have the blessings of petition which is that a brachot in Mishaloteka. Good, and we have the blessings of gratitude, which is brachot hakarot hatov. So you'll notice as we start looking at these, that's what these, that's why I have these out there. And if you were to start looking and going through them, you're going to very quickly find that a lot of similarities in the Lord's prayer that he said. So when he says pray like this, this is exactly what he's talking about. What he did was he took this model that the Jews play three times a day and he highlighted it. Basically to say, if you're going to pray, make sure you include the following items for your prayer life. Okay? So you'll notice if you go to the page that kind of looks like this, it's broken down with the three sections and it's got all these prayers on it. Okay, um, obviously we're not going to go through every one of them. Okay, because that would be, uh, what do you call it, take too long. But I want to just bring your attention to the section number one, the blessing of praise. Look at the first prayer. Then we're going to really take a pay, pay attention to the first and the third prayer. Blessed are you, Lord our God and God of our fathers. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, exalted God, who bestows bountiful kindness, who creates all things, who remembers the piety of the patriarchs, and who, in love, brings the Redeemer to their children's children for the sake of his name. O King, you are a helper, a savior, and a shield. Blessed are you, Lord, shield of Abraham. 
And then if you go to prayer number three, you will see it says, you are holy and your name is holy. And holy beings praise you daily for all eternity. Blessed are you, Lord, the holy God. What is the first part of the, the um, our father? Father who are in heaven, your name is holy. So you see what Jesus did there, right? He condensed that whole first section and said, if you're going to pray, you better make sure that you do say, Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. It's a mindset to understand, and I love that Paul. See, people don't get it, that what Paul did in Hebrews was he outlined the mindset of prayer. We, we've kind of gotten away from that. Well, I shouldn't say Paul, whoever the writer is. We don't know who wrote it, so call him John Jones. Okay, so John Jones writes in Hebrew, okay? Um, but when you look at it, he's talking about the living word. The word of God is living and active, okay? So that's the first part, right? So then if you look at the second part, um, which is called the blessings of petition, you know, you start to look, let's just take a look at the subjects, right? Prayer number four is about praying for God's knowledge and wisdom. Prayer five is praying for repentance. Prayer six is about forgiveness. Whoopsie. Sorry. Prayer seven is redemption. Prayer eight is healing. Prayer number nine is for blessing of prosperity. Prayer 10, in gathering of the exiles. Prayer 11, for justice. Prayer, prayer 12, against heretics. You don't hear much of that anymore, do you? Prayer 13, righteous ones. Prayer 14, rebuilding Jerusalem. Prayer 15, hey, the kingdom of David coming. That's kind of a no-brainer right there, right? Prayer 16, the acceptance of prayers. My favorite is prayer 17, the avodah, and prayer, eight, which is worship, working and worship. And prayer 18 is thanksgiving to the Lord. So when you look at these, there's something else that I want you to, to pay attention to. When the Jews break these down into the three levels, they're called brakot. In Hebrew, means blessings. The idea is when you get into prayer, you are being blessed. Because as the word palal talks about, it means to cut. Well, how is a covenant made? A covenant made by cutting. There's always a stronger vessel and a weaker vessel. The stronger vessel has to sign the covenant and then be willing to give their life to keep the covenant with the weaker vessel. You see? So when Peter is talking about husbands, um, you know, the, you, with your wives, treat her as a weaker vessel, even though you are fellow heirs of the grace of life, he's not saying that women are inferior. What he's saying in husbands, because since you are like the Messiah who is the head of the church, your job is to say that I will die and do everything I can to die for my wife. That doesn't just mean dying literally going out and getting killed if you had to. It also means dying spiritual, I mean dying to your flesh and allowing yourself to be shaped in the model of the Messiah. That's what it means to cut. So palau meaning cut. You're cutting a covenant. 
So when you're going, you're being blessed because every time you go into prayer, you're reaffirming a covenant that you've already made with God when you accepted Jesus as your Messiah, when he became your Savior. So understand, all of this is lost if we don't have the foundation, which is the living word of God. Okay, so again, when we look at these, that's why the blessing. And what else does it do? You, you're, you yourself, from coming into communion with God, are blessed. Because in many ways and many times he opens your eyes to see the things that you already have and the blessings you've already been given, the prosperity, as opposed to what you want. Right? And, and, and that, that's everybody's flesh. Everybody. Okay. So, you know, again, one of the big things when we're talking about these prayers is the fact that when you look at these 18 prayers, there's a prayer for your needs. Now, Jesus says, pray like this. He later says, do not be repetitive as the pagans are or the Gentiles. So what he's saying is just sitting there and praying these prayers, you're just being repetitive. It doesn't mean anything because you have to come in the spirit of knowing that the living word is active and it will cut and it will judge the intention of your heart. So don't be repetitive. And in today's church, believe it or not, there's a lot of repetition. And I hate to say it, but I've heard some prayers that are very pagan. Okay, so we have to understand that when we come into prayer, the idea here is that it's establishing more of a relationship. Okay, let's remember this. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh. In Genesis chapter one, verse three, in Hebrew, it, it says, and God said, and God spoke. The Hebrew word is he spoke words. So when we say that the word is God, the word was God, the word is the most critical thing that we have. It is the greatest gift that God has ever given us besides salvation because it outlines who he is, why he is, who he, what he does, and more importantly, it gives us... A, guideline for life in righteousness. So if we remove the word of God, then we're removing a foundation for prayer. So how, and that's the question. So when we go into prayer, we hear things, but like it says, right, Benjamin, in the mouths of two or three, a matter is established. What does that mean? Well, if God says something to you, you can say, well, God told me, okay, Give me the scriptural reference, and how else has he confirmed this to you? Not with rainbows and pigeons and doves and trees. I want to know in the mouths of two or three. See, that's how God works. Because when, when, when John tells us we have to test the spirits, because not everything we're going to hear in prayer is going to be God. It's going to be the flesh, and it could be that little voice just slipping in because he wants you to go astray. So understand, when we cut the root off, we have issues when it comes to prayer, don't we? 
Am I making sense? Good. All right. Just want to make sure. Hey, listen, not everybody's going great, but it is what it is. That's why we have the word, right? So when, let's look at the Lord's Prayer. You all know it, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. That we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, and lead us not um, to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Period. That last verse, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Appeared in the King James, but a lot of other translations before that time didn't have it. So there's a debate, which is why it's usually in brackets or if it'll be in, in parentheses pending your translation because it's not found in the earliest um, transcripts that we have, but it's found in later ones. Okay, but either way, um, I'm going to include it because it is included it, it, when, when we pray. You know, if you were to break this down in Hebrew, there is a prayer for it, which is why we're going to include it. Okay, you, whether or not you want to pray that line, that's fine with you. But again, it's not a prayer. It's just to, I'm sorry, it's just to speak. So he says in verse 9, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. Verse 9 is a reference to the Brakot Veshot, specifically prayer number 1 and prayer number 3. So when you look at your prayer sheet, we already talked about it. Prayer number 1 is about the Father, and prayer number 3 is the holiness of God's name. So Jesus said, all right, we're going to break this down nice and simple for you guys. May your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth and in heaven. Specifically, when you go and you look, you look at prayer number 11, which is Birkat Haidin, the blessing of justice. And I like it because it said, now listen to this. Restore our judges. It's okay. He's all right. Restore our judges as in former times and our counselors as of your or yesterday. Remove from us sorrow and sighing and reign over us. You alone, O Lord, with kindness and compassion, with righteousness and justice. Blessed are you, Lord, King who loves righteousness and justice. Wouldn't you want to pray that every day? Seriously, look outside. Look at what the transition that's happening in this country right now. We need righteousness and justice. Satan has just flat out stolen it away. It's a stolen. And the irony is, ever since the election of 1860, the church, beginning in the election of 1860, the church has decided the outcome of every single election that's happened except for the one in 1870, I didn't want to say 1879, when that one was legitimately stolen. Like this one was kind of stolen. But understand, well, where's the church's voice? I don't know. So, wouldn't it be great to have God's kingdom of righteousness and judgment visited upon us? And then he says in verse 11, give us our daily bread. Specifically prayer number nine. I love it. The blessings of prosperity. 
Bless for us, Lord our God, this year and all the varieties of its produce for good and bestow. And then it has a summer prayer and during, obviously, a winter prayer. And you can read it from there. But the idea is satisfy us from your bounty and bless our year like other good years for blessing. For you are a generous God who bestows goodness and blesses the years. So see, what Jesus is doing here is while he's, go, you know, he's giving you a one-sentence line, he's referring to those certain prayers. So what he's telling you is when you go into prayer, this is the things that we're looking at. These are the prayers. Now, you have to understand he was speaking to his disciples, right, his Talmudim. They were Jewish. Just like we have all pretty much memorized the Lord's Prayer, right? They memorized all 18. So they knew exactly what he was talking about when he said what he said. But it's been lost on us, which is why I gave you these. Okay, because listen, I'm not trying to start a revolution. I don't expect everybody's going to start wearing white shirts with black pants with little tassels, and you're going to wear a yarmulke and show it. I'm, no, that's not what I'm doing. But the point is, I'm trying to get you in touch with your spiritual heritage. Because multiple times we're told, Jesus went to pray in the morning, this is what he prayed. That's what he prayed. He was a righteous Jew. And the thing is this, guys, what you have to also understand is all of these prayers, their scripture verses are found in Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. See, the Jews knew you got to pray through scripture. You got to. If you can't pray that and set the tempo. The other thing that happens when you pray and you'll pray a scripture before, nine out of ten times, what are you doing? You're declaring the foundation and you're telling Satan, I am praying on the word of God. Therefore, from the onset, I'm going to do my very best to ignore you. So anything that comes in that doesn't line up with that word right away, what happens? You can say, no, 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 this isn't right. You understand where I'm, and again, I'm not trying to start a revolution. I'm not trying to have you guys, you know, change the way you pray. Well, I want you to recognize the importance of how to pray and why it is what it is. And then it says in verse 12, and forgive us our debts, and we will forgive our debtors. And you go to prayer number six. Obviously, the selacha for forgiveness, pardon us. Our Father, for we have sinned, forgive us our King, for we have transgressed, for you are a good and forgiving God. Blessed are you, Lord, gracious one who pardons abundantly. Pretty simple. And then in verse 13, oh, and lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil. Now, there are two prayers that this refers to. One is in the second session section, which is the blessing of partition, and it's number seven. Obviously, it's the prayer of repentance. And the other one is found in the blessing of gratitude, which is the last set of prayers. And uh, it's called my favorite, and I love this Hebrew word, and I love this prayer. Prayer number 17, Avodah. Okay? Avodah is the working worship. So, Everybody here has a job, right? Sig's a football coach. When he goes out and he coaches and he does it and he lives it and he does it, he is worshiping God because that's what he was called to do. Jake is a soccer coach, right? He does training. He has an online training academy. 
when he does those things, he's operating and worshiping God because that's what he's called to do. John is creating a worship album. It should be out soon if he gets into the studio after this COVID breaks. Him going in there and doing it is what? Worshiping God because that's what God has called him to do. When you act in your calling, whether it be to make money for your family or a volunteer in ministry, you are worshiping. You are working and worshiping. Basically, you're cultivating the ground. Because when Adam and Eve sinned and everything went, God said to Adam, now you will cultivate the ground. That Hebrew word is abodah. You will work the ground and worship it because, not worship the ground, when you work the ground, you're going to study it. And when you study, you worship. Now, I mean, you know, when we talk about tithing, the 10%, this has nothing to do with the tithe. When you tithe, Hebraically, it's not your time, it's not your effort, it is a monetary thing. Anything else, though, is this, it's avodah. Okay, there is a, separate, a separation, I know in the church, it, a lot of people say it's the same thing. It is not at all. Okay, but this is, this is huge. Sharon and Josephine doing the warming center, sitting overnight. They're worshiping God. Okay, I don't know what everybody does for a living. Otherwise, I'll call everybody out. Sorry. I don't mean to leave anybody out. And then, of course, verse 13, and lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil. Verse 13, uh, did we do that one already? Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, sorry. And finally, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory for eternity. Amen. Verse 13 is a reference to prayer number 18, which is thanksgiving to the Lord. We thankfully acknowledge that you are the Lord our God and the God of our fathers forever. You are the strength of our life, the shield of our salvation in every generation. We will give thanks to you and recount your praise. Evening, morning, and noon. Why evening, morning, and noon? Does anybody actually know why the Jews do that? Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had their, um, all prayed at a specific time during the day. Abraham was known to pray in the morning. Isaac was known to pray in the afternoon. And Jacob was known to pray at night. And his most famous prayer, praying at night, is after he crossed the Jordan um, with just his staff, if you remember the story. And he went and he prayed and he wrestled with the angel, and that's why his name was called Israel. So that's why we pray in the morning. They pray at the morning, noon, and night. Which is why Paul says we are to pray without ceasing. Okay? So when he says pray without ceasing, in other words, it's an establishment of prayer. So when you pray in the morning, you live out those prayers as you're going. When you pray in the afternoon, you will live out and keep those prayers as you continue. And when you pray at night, you live out and continue those prayers. Now, I'm not saying that every morning, every afternoon, and at night, you got to get on your knees or whatever you do and pray these prayers. That's not what I'm saying. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. But when he talks about praying without ceasing, what he's telling you is, Every time you pray, you reconnect and you reconfirm that covenant. So is driving along the parkway just talking to God, praying? Absolutely it is. Is being still quiet, praying? Absolutely it is. 
But we need the foundation. We need the foundation. So, the worship team, the worshipers, if you would not mind coming up. Now, the irony behind the tefillah ha-amidah, or the, the, the amidah, the, the standing prayers, is the way we started the service, Psalm 51.15. Now, I made a mistake on there, like I said. My Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praise. This is how the Jews start every single prayer. So it's a prayer of mindset. That they would, not only you're about to open your lips, but your mouth will declare the praises of God. You can play, bro, whenever you're ready. Don't wait for me. And when they end their prayer, they end it with Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. So they begin with the scripture and they end with the scripture. So the challenge for you, for me, to tell you this week, what is your scripture? What's your life scripture? Do you have one? When you take these prayers, I would ask that maybe this week you look at these and you need healing. Look at the prayer for healing and then pray and find the healing issues in the Bible. If you need prosperity because something's going wrong, pick up that prayer, pray it, and then find the prosperity in the Bible. So you have a reference if you need to forgive. Look it up if you have to repent. Pray the prayer and look it up if you're seeking knowledge. You know how many people ask me I need knowledge? Pray that. Prayer number four. Pray the prayer of knowledge and then go. Because we know knowledge doesn't come before fear of the Lord. Wisdom. Fear of the Lord. You want knowledge. Faith comes through hearing in prayer. And hearing comes from what? The word of God. What is Paul telling us even there? If we don't have an understanding of the word of God, we're not going to hear in faith. This is his word. I'm not making it up. So I'm challenging everybody right now. If you have a prayer need at the moment, you don't want to come up, and we're here to pray for you, as Gregory Owen said. But again, for 2021, let us always begin to pray in God's name with blessing, praise, thanksgiving, and then bring our request. listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the old and new covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace. Peace.